Hello everyone, just before I get into this episode, a quick note, this episode is explicit with a capital E. We talk about SEX and plenty of things in between. Um, so if you got kids around, maybe plug in those headphones. If you are a kid, turn this off. Are you good? Okay, let's get into it. Hi, I'm Shania. And I'm Evita. You are listening to the ninth episode of Making It Women in Film. A podcast where we sit down with women working in the film and TV industry to talk about their journey, experiences, advice, and the importance of diversity in front and behind the camera. In today's episode, we are going to be talking with Karen Main. Karen is the writer of Obvious Child, a dramedy starring Jenny Slate, and her directorial debut, Yes God Yes, starring Natalia Dyer, you might recognize from Stranger Things, was released just last month. Yes God Yes follows a Catholic teenage girl in the early 2000s as she discovers masturbation and struggles to suppress her new urges in the face of eternal damnation. Let's get into sin and sensuality. And just a little disclaimer, again, we are still in lockdown, which means that these are recorded through Zoom, so the audio isn't always great and it kind of sounds like you're on the phone with some of us. So just, you know, get into it. Lean back and pretend that you're on the phone with us, and um, let's talk. All right, so we are here with Karen Main. Thank you so much for coming on, Karen. How are you doing? How I know you're in London. How's that been? Yeah, I've been here for about a week, so I'm just starting to get over the jet lag. So uh, <laughs> it's great. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, Scott, yes, it's your first... Um, director debut right when did you start getting into filmmaking in the first place I sort of got into it just as like a fun thing to do with friends um when I was in college at the new school um a friend of mine uh wrote her like thesis on um lack of realistic representation of abortion in mainstream cinema and she one day came up to me and she's just like do you want to make a short film that you know like does the opposite of like these films that, you know, have women carrying pregnancies to term just so there's a narrative. (laughs) Um, And I was like, yeah. And so we'd meet on the weekends, you know, and we'd write and eventually um, Gillian Robespierre, who became the director, came on board and helped us write. Um, So it was just really the three of us writing and doing this thing just as like friends. Uh, We got, you know, all of our friends to do, the acting. I, I play the best friend in the short version of Obvious Child. Um, it was really just like a fun thing of, of that we did with our friends. And then it got some attention. And, you know, so and Gillian was like, let's make this a feature. Um, so we started writing the feature. Um, so it was really just like a very organic, natural way in. I didn't go to film school or anything like that. And then once, you know, Obvious Child came out and, you know, it it was successful. I was like, oh, wow, I guess, I guess maybe like, like I always thought filmmaking was really cool and interesting, but I never assumed being, a, you know, like a girl from Iowa, that it was something that was obtainable and realistic as a career. Uh, so then once it felt like it could be, um, I started to explore it more, but I worked in book publishing for 10 years and only quit that in um, full time in um, 2000, the end of 2017. So, um, it really has only been a 
an actual job for a few years. I think that's a really cool concept. I think a lot of uh, a, a good advice for a lot of new people to make a short film first to like test out the wars with your story, and then you know if there's more to it, see see how people react to it. Um, that's really cool. And then obviously you got Jenny Slate on it, and yeah, she, I mean she was a friend of a friend too. All I mean. Right. Yeah, Jenny was doing stand-up um, in Williamsburg and with a friend. Uh, it's, it's called Big Terrific, um, and they still do it, actually. So it was with Max Silvestri and Gabe Liebman, who's also in the film. Um, but they uh, are in the feature, at least, not in the short. But we'd go see them do stand-up, and we were like, Jenny's seems really great. I wonder if she's up for acting. So this is before she'd done Saturday Night Live or Bored to Death or any of those things. Um, and yeah, she was totally on board. So yeah, it was just, you know, I just feel a lot of times with filmmaking, it, 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 it's just like, it, it feels like when you're making it that it's the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> but oftentimes, like the pieces just kind of fall into place uh, for the right reasons. Um, and it, it, it's always sort of, I guess you have to take what you get and make something from it, but it always feels like, at least so far, knock on wood, that it's worked out for the best. And um, with Yes, God, Guess, I know you um, wrote that and directed it. Um, I, with me, I want to focus more on directing than Adi is more interested in writing. Which one do you prefer? And do you think, you know, one's harder than the other? Um, that's a good question because I don't know... It depends on the film. I mean, I still do like strictly writing stuff. Um, I feel like with directing, I have to feel some kind of, if I haven't written it myself, some kind of really strong connection to the material. Um, I'm going to direct a TV series out here. Um, and it's about, it's just, it's written by this uh, really funny stand-up comedian from New Zealand named Rose Matafeo. And it's really funny and the female characters are great. Uh, and, you know, I was like, I relate to this. I can direct it without having written it. Um, so I think that's the key thing for directing. I think it's, I'm much more, I'm much more uh, specific and particular about what I want to direct. Whereas like writing, like I'm much more willing to do something completely different or just like something that seems fun to just like get into uh, character wise, even if it's, you know, not necessarily like a film that like I personally feel connected to. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. With Yes, God, Yes, was it, what was it that drew you to being like, oh, I want to direct this, having it in your own hands that way? Yeah, I mean, so Yes, God, Yes is, is sort of my autobiographical film. Um, it's based on my upbringing and coming off the heels of Obvious Child, where I was just a writer, I just assumed I'd get another director to direct it. Um, Gillian was off doing Landline, um, but I, I approached several other female filmmakers, um, and one of them, who's uh, become a friend, uh, was read it and was like, "I'm I'm not going to direct this. Like, this is your story. Like, you direct it." And it literally hadn't occurred to me until that moment uh, that it was something that I could even sort of imagine doing. Um, and I'm so grateful for her for saying that to me uh, because I would have been devastated if someone else had directed this. Um, so uh, yeah, that's really how it happened. And it, because it was a personal story, it was just a really natural fit. 
I feel like first time directors, especially if you haven't gone to film school, uh, you can rely a lot on your other crew members and department heads to show you how to do things or just to help talk you through things um, or translate your vision into something, you know, applicable that they can do with the camera, the lights or the, you know, just sound design or, you know, all the stuff. Um, but the key thing that you really don't have any help with as a director is, is directing the actors. And because it was such a personal story, that was just like a really good fit for me. Um, it, it wasn't a huge stretch um, because I, I had lived through this and, and knew it really well. So I think that was a good, for my first time, a good, a good way in to do something that was so uh, personal. What was the reaction like from your friends and family after it got released? Did you have good feedback or were they, were they shocked? I mean, most of my friends uh, live like in New York and, and you know, are, we're obviously fine with everything. Um, uh, I have a few friends still in Iowa and Des Moines uh, and they, they were really supportive uh, and wonderful. Um, there are some people in Des Moines that I'm not friends with who probably weren't too thrilled. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not um, set at my old high school, but, you know, I did go to that high school. Um, so it's like there are similarities, but it's definitely not the same school, but that kind of irked them. Um, but, yeah, my family is, is pretty, a, a lot more progressive than they were when I was a teenager. Um, I think generally... Uh, yeah, the older generations, if they have like younger children who are now, you know, grown, uh, tend to, you know, get in their heads a little bit uh, for the better. But, but yeah, my family's been really supportive. Uh, they um, came to the movie premiere at South by Southwest. Um, and yeah, very, just very supportive. So I'm very lucky. I feel like we are seeing a lot more focus on masturbation and stuff like that. It's really lifting in recent years. And I think that's quite wonderful. Having grown up myself very religiously, I definitely relate it to, um, you know, dealing with the sinful aspect of it and how we're taught of it to be so sinful. So I've been in a monogamous relationship for almost 10 years now. So I haven't been dating for a while, but... I, you know, I guess so I was in my like mid twenties, the last time I was like sort of on the dating scene and hooking up with uh, guys. And I, I still feel like, you know, maybe things have changed in the last decade and that'd be wonderful. But even still as like a young adult, I guess 25 is an adult, but it feels like a young adult. Uh, the sexual experiences I was having were still very much like all about the man's pleasure and uh you know and, and this was in new york city like i was you know um and it, it so i think it is changing but it's hard for me to know now because i'm in a you know a relationship with just one person um how you know i think it's still largely very male driven and and i think that um you know, just the way we're taught about sex, unless you go to a very progressive school or very progressive parents, female sexual pleasure is probably completely left out of the conversation, even if it's not a religious institution, because, you know, if you're just learning like biologically, scientifically about reproduction, 
you know, the, the female sexual pleasure aspect of it is not a, a necessary component. I mean, some will say it helps, but it's not a necessary component to procreation. Um, so it just creates this natural stigma around it that I feel like um, probably pervades many societies outside of religious. Um, but yeah, if, it, if it's religious, it's definitely like, definitely not talked about, uh, which is ironic because I think a lot of scientists and medical doctors say that um, if a woman orgasms, it's, it helps with the pregnancy process because some kind of, I don't know, I'm not the doctor, but some kind of contracting, you know, or relaxing stress, you know, it, it, it all, there's a reason, <laughs> you know, there's a reason that that is how it works. Um, but yeah, I guess they haven't really caught on in the Catholic <laughs> community about that yet. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of stigma still, but the conversations are happening now. We are seeing more discussions and conversations about it, seeing more you know, topics where women get to ask questions and just, you know, there's more, I'm seeing more encouragement recently with the WAP song where it's just like, I, I want to do this uh, and this is my pleasure as well. You know, this is what I want to experience. And, yeah. but you still saw all the outrage with it. So yeah. it's, we're definitely <laughs> not at the, we're, we're not at the end of, yeah, not at all, but we've, we've started, you know, the game. Um, and yeah, I think that's yeah. quite exciting because I remember yeah. like when I look back I don't think in sex ed I was even taught that there was a female orgasm at all no. like that wasn't no me either <laughs> that's why that's why that's why you're just left to sort of when you figure it out on your own as as one naturally does uh you you're even if you're not told that masturbation is a sin you feel shameful because you don't you're like, what is this thing that nobody told me about? Why am I not supposed to know about it? Am I not supposed to be doing it? Um, it's just, yeah, inherent in the way we, we think about it then. So it takes a while to get over that. <clears throat> to uh, change the conversation a bit, um, we love obviously to talk about women representation and in both your um, obvious child and yes, called yes. Um, both of them were women leads. And I was just wondering if that's a conscious choice when you're writing a film. Do you consciously write female characters or is that just simply because you're writing from personal experience? Well, Obvious Child wasn't really personal experience. That was just sort of an amalgamation of, you know, what we'd heard from friends and other women we knew. Um, but, but Donna, Jenny's character isn't based off any one of the writers on that. Um, but no, I just think, you know, I, I just want to write stories that I want to see. And I just think I want to see women films. I mean, not to say that I, I don't like watching films that are about, you know, men. Like I loved Call Me By Your Name, um, even though I found it problematic in certain ways. <laughs> uh, but I still think it's a really good movie. Um, but I... I um I just think I write about what I stories I want to see and stories I want to tell and they just happen to be about women. Um, it's not a conscious thing necessarily. Um, and I I just think it's interesting to see more types of films and sh TV shows where women are doing things that you know we see and know them to be doing in everyday life, but don't see them on the screen doing those things. 
Um, and I just find that very frustrating. Uh, but at the same time, it's exciting to, to you know, portray and, and showcase these women in these situations. Uh, so that's, that's really why. Coming, how, how do you feel, because I have a lot of personal stories I would like to tell as well. How do you, would you say that Yes, God, Yes is more semi-autobiographical or... Like, how do you, when do you put the boundaries or do you just put it all out there? Because I think that's something a lot of people might struggle with. I mean, this aspect of my life, I never had an issue sort of sharing. I mean, the family in the film is is very kind of small. I mean, her dad kind of has a, a, a part, but, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that those roles are based off my family. Uh, you know, I'm just taking experiences and memories that I remember and then, and then sort of expanding on them. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, a lot of people's hopefully like lives aren't, aren't actually that interesting. I mean, I, I'd say about 80% of the film is true to some degree. Um, but some of the more like crazy things are definitely not true. I never saw my priest masturbate. I never saw another classmate go down on another classmate through a window. I did not masturbate on Kirkos or Kairos, which is what it's called, which is a real retreat. Um, so yeah, like a lot of it, you know, I, I took this experience of, of being raised Catholic in, in a very uh, sort of sheltered, homogenous community and discovering, you know, masturbation and, and made it into like kind of a, a dramedy. Uh, but yeah, I think it, I think it can be tricky it depends really what you're writing about. I mean, I didn't feel really that pained writing this because it wasn't too much about family and no one is based on anyone specific uh, from my life. Um, but I think it can be more difficult with someone like, like Lulu Wong who did the farewell, like that seems like a very personal family story, um, which would be probably much more difficult. Uh, and I would not personally do that. I think the key is just to fictionalize it as much as you can. You know, it depends what it is, of course. Uh, but if you can, I think, you know, take take a nugget from from what is reality and then and then sort of mold it into something else. And it'll take time. I think it's more difficult to write about those things when they've actually happened to you and embellish them because it's your own life. And then you're going to be like, oh, well, what if this happened? It's just... You have to keep working at it until it gets to a place where it stops feeling like your own life and starts feeling like something fictional. And then it's more comfortable, I think. That makes sense. Obviously, you also have that wonderful early 2000s nostalgia. How was that? Like, do you, do you think that was an important aspect of the film? Well, for me, it was just because that's the age I was when this story was, was set. Um, so it was always going to be set then. Um, the funny thing is, you know, I started writing this in 2014 and it was long before like Lady Bird and mid nineties. And I mean like all the, you know, sort of, it, it just, it, it, it was just naturally going to happen because now these filmmakers are in their mid thirties and they're able to make movies and they're going to make them about what they know, which is the nineties or the early aughts. So it was just only natural. Um, but in terms of Yes, God, Yes, I, I think it was really important to set it at that time because so much of it is kind of evolved around the internet. And the internet back then was like this really new thing. 
but it was very vast and expansive, but it was almost like a, a like window that was like open and you could like peer down on this like massive super highway of the internet, but you weren't like actually on the road like you are today. Like, I feel like it had all the potential, but you just weren't, you weren't aware of the potential. Uh, so you couldn't fully like take control of it. Um, and like parents didn't really understand it either. So their kids were on it in a way they didn't know. And you could go on and you could like sort of learn new things, but you couldn't like really go on Reddit and be like, you know, am I the asshole type thing, you know, yeah. like it, just, it wasn't that easy to get answers. Uh, so that like kind of precipice was where I wanted to set this film so that like Alice, the protagonist could, could, you know, gain some insight and curiosity. Like the internet could be used to pique her interest but it wasn't available to like fully answer all her questions. Um, so it was like a, a window into like this new world since her world was so like, you know, sheltered and homogenous and strict into like what else could be out there. But it wasn't so vast she could find like like-minded individuals to tell her, you know, what, what she's doing is okay and not weird. Um, it's a pretty long-winded question, but like the internet was only like that for like a couple of years. Mm-hmm. How can I ask? Like, obviously, it deals with uh, Catholics, and how was the? Have you have you gotten any response from Catholics? Um, how did you deal with maybe fear of backlash? And oh, there's no fear. Okay, I, that's I, good. I, I <laughs> that's honestly good. find it so entertaining because let's be honest, like the Catholic Church, you could be critical of many, many things that they've done. Uh, but my film really is just like, maybe don't judge people for <laughs> masturbating, which is like the silliest like scratch criticism you could, you could give them. Uh, so yeah, any kind of backlash is just going to make me laugh. Um, especially we got, we got a review from the Catholic news service and they gave us an O for morally offensive, which was <laughs> just amazing. Like, Like, we got a great interview, like, review in The New Yorker, but I think, like, I'm going to, like, print and frame the, the Catholic News Service one. <laughs> um, but then at the same time, like, what, something that was really great that sort of instilled a new sense of, like, maybe, like, things will be okay eventually uh, with the Catholic Church was that there was another magazine. I think it's called American Magazine. I could be wrong, though. But it, anyway, it's a Jesuit publication, and they they said that Yes, God, Yes um, should be used by youth leaders or um, even older sort of religious leaders as a, a what not to do to turn away youth from faith and Christianity. And and I thought that was great because, like, I I have a very personal experience with being raised Catholic and I have a very strong distaste now for any kind of organized religion because of what I was forced to do and believe and, you know, um, and the guilt that that instilled in me. But if, you know, they were more, if there was a way that they were just a little more open-minded, you know, that, that may have had a completely different impact on me. So, um, I think, yeah, anything that can be done to, to, just be a little more open-minded. I know, I know it's a crazy thing to say because it's the Catholic church and um, they really aren't open-minded. I mean, I remember a few years ago when everyone pointed to Pope Francis saying 
about LBGT queer people that who am I to judge? And I was like, okay, so you still think God's going to judge them and they're still going to go to hell, you know, like they can't, and they can't get married and they can't be priests and like all this stuff. So I just, I, I that wasn't very progressive, you know? So, but if there are certain sects um, of Catholicism or pockets in, in, in the world that are being more progressive, I think that's, that's really wonderful, but I'm not sure the Vatican would be too happy about it. Um, I do have a question regarding your choice to direct um, Yes, God, Yes. So when you said it was, um, you know, a, a difficult decision anyway, um, would you say, you know, because the industry is so male-driven, was that, did you ever think of that as a factor when you were deciding to direct it? And with your experience on that film, um what was your experience like with women representation within like the crew and people you worked with? I didn't, I think when you're doing an indie film, it's never as bad. Um, I think, I, I think I'm going to have a rude awakening uh, if I get into some more, you know, studio Hollywood projects. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, it's a little, it's disconcerting for sure. Um, I think a lot of times like women will be allowed to direct, but there are like, you know, white male studio heads who are, you know, breathing down their necks and telling them what to do. And, you know, so you can, you can have this veil of progressive and diversity in, in film, but maybe it isn't always quite what it seems to be. Um, but hopefully, yeah, I don't know. I just, hopefully the experiences are, my experiences so far have been very positive and I've never felt like anyone's treating me differently because I was a woman. Um, but that could change. And I've, I've heard, you know, horror stories from, from other people. Um, so it is something that I'll think about going forward for sure. Uh, I think the key though is to, you know, get, keep your crew as diverse as possible. <laughs> so you sort of have like a team on your side, even if the, you know, the financiers or the studio heads are still, you know, the majority like white men, which I think they are. I mean, we have some great production companies that are starting with like women like Elizabeth Banks and Ava DuVernay and, uh, and that's all amazing. Um, but I still think they're pretty few and far between. I think Gina Davis might have them too. Anyway, mm. we need more. <laughs> Cause that's where the real power comes from is the top with the money. I think we are seeing a rise in the appreciation of indie filmmaking as well, because that is a space where filmmakers are able to do so much more um, in terms of diversity and taking charge of their stories. We also want to ask about women who inspire you, whether that's in your personal or your professional life. Oh, well, then definitely, definitely my mom, uh, because she... I think what's most important uh, and I'm really lucky is that she, no matter what I wanted to do, she was always like, of course you can do that. Um, and, and I think if it weren't for that, I wouldn't have the confidence to have sort of made this leap into filmmaking. Um, I think having someone who believes in you from a young age is really, really important. Um, not to say that that's necessary, but it, I think it helps. Um, yeah, so definitely my mom. But uh, there are so many female filmmakers that I look up to. I think there's a lot of amazing ones. Um, I'm, I'll just name one, and that'd be Marielle Heller. 
and I loved every single film she's done and I hope she gets to do more and that she gets more attention because I think she's a little underappreciated. One uh, question I always like to ask, um, is there any film um, you watched maybe as a child, as a child that inspired you to go into filmmaking? I think there, yeah. I mean, Almost Famous came out, I think in 2000. So I was like 15. I think that was one of the first films that I watched and I was just like, I was just really blown away by it, uh, by the script and by what, it, like every scene feels earned. Every line feels earned. I still think it's such a good movie. Um, but more embarrassingly, um, I'd have to also say American Beauty. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I grew up in Iowa oh in a God. very suburban neighborhood. And I felt like that film like really called to me in some weird way. And it was the first time I like saw a film in a way it appreciated it on like a deeper level than just um, like an entertaining thing to do. Uh, yeah. And I think Annette Benning is a big part of that. I know oh God, that film, I haven't seen it in a really long time. It's so problematic, isn't it? Cause he's going to have sex with that girl until she tells him she's a virgin. Anyway. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange movie, but at the time it had a profound impact on me. Just before we wrap this up, obviously this year has been so different for everyone. How has that affected, you know, the post-production and the release of Yes, God, Yes, and maybe how the expectations there, how, how has that experience been? Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I mean, coronavirus is a horrible, horrible pandemic that we're still dealing with and it terrifies me and it's very depressing. But... I have to say, it, it, in spite of every horrible thing, I think it's been really good for the indie film community um, because, you know, if these big tentpole studio films aren't being released and, like, maybe, like, one or two just have, but, like, it doesn't seem to be going well. Uh, also, I think it's... I, I'm sorry, but I think it's disgusting that they're releasing films in theaters right now. I don't think anybody should be going in on cinema to see a film just my personal opinion. Um, but I think it's been really great because people are at home, people want to watch content and, you know, those big studio films aren't there. You know, I was really bummed that Yes, God, Yes, it didn't have its theatrical release, which it was supposed to have originally. But then I realized more people were probably going to see it this way. Um, it was going to get more review coverage because those other films weren't coming out. Like it just... I think, you know, at the end of the day, the most important thing as a filmmaker is people watching your film. Um, so in that sense, I think, you know, we still achieved everything we wanted all along. And um, yeah, so I think it's actually been really great. It was really sad not to like meet up with the cast again and have like a big party. But at the same time, you know, that money comes out of, you know, what you're going to earn back from your film. So we didn't spend the money on any of that. So that means the film is going to just do better. So I think, yeah, it's been, it was really scary at first, but I think it's, it's all worked out for the best, mm -hmm. thankfully. Yeah, that's good. And yeah, uh, everyone out there, go watch Yes, God, Yes. It's, Oh, so delightful. And if you have any religious upbringing, or if you're just a woman in the society, you will definitely relate to it. Um, or and if you're a man, you can get yes. insight into how women <laughs> think and act. Yeah. <laughs>
Mm-hmm, definitely and i believe uh, i mean i watch it on amazon um and i mean i'm sure there's loads of other places uh i know there's a website we'll link that in the description box um anything else that you want to plug or promote or any any message you want to give to the uh, to the women out here listening expect expect and ask for pleasure mm-hmm. always yes if you're right <laughs> is there anywhere people can find you um social media yeah i'm on twitter kl underscore main and instagram karen underscore underscore main great Big thank, fan you, of thank, underscores. You. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much guys this was wonderful This has been the ninth episode of Making It Women in Film. We hope you enjoyed it just as much as we did. If you want more, come join our community of women filmmakers over on Instagram at Making It Women in Film. We're super active and post loads of recommendations, statistics, and discussions. All links to Red Yes God Yes will be listed in the description box, as well as our other socials. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next one. See you next week.